James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Good morning, and indeed it is James Golden, a.k.a. with you. For our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, if you'd like to be part of the program today, as always, you can dial us 848-WABC-800-848-92-TOTO. 800 And there's so much, of course, in the news as there always is. The news cycle never stops. So we'll address as many uh, stories as we can. There's some things that I, I, I may talk about today I've, I've been thinking about. I am not a philosopher. Don't pretend to be one. But... There have been some things I've just been pondering over the last few weeks, and and one of them is a simple three-word thing, sex. And I want to know from you, those of you that care to answer this, why do you think our society is so consumed with sex? And that may sound like a simple, dumb question, oh, because it's pleasurable, but it's not just that. And the sexual revolution that that we... Many of us had went through when we, if you're old enough to have lived through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s, it changed the way that the entire world operated. And I think many of the things that are happening today in our society originate from that. Of course, you can look at some of the advantages, certainly the relationship that men have with women has changed dramatically. This idea that women were just supposed to stay home and tend to the children and tend to the house, that well, that's long gone. The idea, and thankfully so, the notion that women were not as equipped as men to do certain things in society, that's gone. And if remnants of it are still holding on, then that will be addressed in coming years because women just simply not standing for that anymore. You know, it it came as a big. I, I've gone through several phases of 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 growth and several stages of being an idiot um, in my life when it comes to women, and the idiocy was began early. The idiocy was was conditioned in a way from what I saw in the media and conditioned by man talk and and what men talk about. And it occurred to me when, I don't even remember how old I was, but it took me one day, I, I was thinking about something and I realized that my view of women was archaic. That I was really objectifying women in my own mind. They were, they were, and and I did not regard women with the same kind of, uh, this sounds, it's hard to articulate. Women have every single aspect of desire for achievement, desire for anything that the soul inside a human being wants. When it comes down to the basic life that we are as human beings, we are all souls. And there is no gender at that level. We all want similar things from our lives. 
And because some of us are in male bodies and some of us are in female bodies makes no difference. That sounds really simple, right? Basic. But if you look at what has happened in this country over the past decades, so much of what is roiling society today involves sex and gender. This continued push to bring sex into the lives of children as early as possible is very real and it's very dangerous. But why? Why are people doing it? Why is the left insisting that children as young as kindergarten, before they even understand the concepts of of sexuality, why are they insisting that that children are inundated with sexual imagery, with sexual themes, and why? Why are they starting on children so early with this belief that they can change their gender if they don't like their gender? Why? Those are the kind of questions that I have. Some of it I believe I know the answer to, and it will offend many people, perhaps, because it all comes down to a desire to remove everything that is spiritual or religious from sex. It is just a desire to to focus on the least important aspect of sex, which is the physicality of it. And what do I mean by that? For centuries, I don't care what religion in the world you belong to, you would find similarities with when it, when it came to what was taught about sex. It was taught, and again, regardless of what religion, whether it's Buddhist, whether it's Hinduism, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Islam, whether it was Yainism, Sikhism, Buddhism, Taoism, whatever religion that people belong to, they did enjoy a common belief about sexuality. And that belief was that sexuality was supposed to be contained until a marriage took place. Now, of course, in every society since the beginning of time, that has been hard to do, especially for men and boys earlier on in, in societies. And so there were always a wink and a nod for people that said that but didn't adhere to that and throughout every age. But that was what was taught to societies up until our own Western societies beginning in the 60s and 70s. And that was taught because it was supposed to be a link between what two people, man and a woman, did and their spiritual beliefs or their religious beliefs. It was all included. 
as one thing. Love was not absent from the picture. God, whichever religious way people recognized or worshiped God, was not taken out of the equation. So it wasn't just this physical transaction between a man and a woman. It also involved a religious or spiritual connection. And that was important because it then elevated what was the purpose of it, which was for procreation of the species. So so mankind could be fruitful and multiple and womankind under this framework. Well, all of that has been thrown out the window. You can look on television now, you can look everywhere, and all you see is this raw sexuality on display. If you look at pictures from Miami, all you see is a collection of naked behinds on women. There is no modesty. Right now, the fashion is go out and show your naked behind to the world. The concept of modesty is gone. I mean, I think this poor woman, Britney Spears, that came out and every other day she's releasing, or every other week it seems like, she's releasing nude photos of herself. It's like, what is the point in this? But the whole idea of being sexual now is everything's on display. And no, you don't have to acknowledge anything else but the pure hedonism of it. And as a result of America being awash in that for now 30, 40, 50 years, and don't don't think that I didn't have my moments of enjoying the sexual revolution as it happened while I was a teenager and growing up in my young 20s. I did. But when you look back and you, and you start looking at with conscious thought, of what have I done with my life? Or what do I believe? Then things get a little bit more serious. It's not just about physical gratifications. And everything that we see to me on display is about these physical gratifications or shallowness. And that is why the left is insistent on pushing this to young children, in my view. Because they are trying to normalize the idea that this sexuality has nothing to do with anything but the physical nature of it and individual pleasure, individual gratification, or individual esteem. And everything else is taken out of it. There is no morality that is involved in this when it's being, quote unquote, taught to children as young as kindergarten. There are no spiritual components in it. There's no telling these kids that you shouldn't wait until you are mature enough to understand what this is and what the ramifications are. Nothing. And that is one of the reasons that the left is insistent on doing this, because they want to make their view of the world, this godless view of the world, 
this view of the world that has no moral compass, this view of the world that eliminates the spiritual component behind the human life form and the human life, they don't believe that. They believe we're just an accident of nature. There is no God. This was all just a random happenstance after a random Big Bang vomited out a universe. And after life, that's it. You just go to sleep and it's done. So have your fun now. Enjoy it now. Eat, drink, be merry. And there is no tomorrow after you go to the big sleep. And so you don't have to worry about consequences of behavior or anything else. Now, again, I'm not trying to go biblical here, and I don't do that kind of a program. I'm not going to do that kind of a program where we're reading scriptures or or doing all that stuff, no matter what it is, because that's not the program I'm doing. I'm trying to talk about these things as the way I'm thinking about them, and I do want your input and your, your impressions about this. When you look at what is happening to children and what they're being introduced to by the left, there's got to be some reason that they are insistent insistent, insistent on this. One of the things that happened when the rodent kingdom was in an uproar because the LGBTQ people were um, upset over Florida's law, which they have misnamed as the don't say gay law. One of the things that came out in that was that the people at Pixar were really disturbed that gay scenes of affection, kissing, and whatever they were doing were taking out. Well, what is Pixar doing? They make animations for children. Why is that even a part of it? And why are they trying to push this on young children? It's back in now because the CEO has caved in. And by the way, we'll get to later on over at the Rodent Kingdom, Disney, there is finally pushback from the conservatives who work in that country, in that company. It is kind of its own country. They've written a letter saying, look, we should, as a company, be politically neutral. Why are you, they're asking the CEO, why do you, you know, why are you just moving the company toward this ultra-progressive stance? So anyway, if you'd like to be part of today's program, that's just one area of discussion. A sad note, Foo Fighter drummer Taylor Hawkins died. They found him dead in his hotel room, 50 years old, tragic. The band was on tour in in South America. They canceled the performance. Now, they're due to perform at Lollapalooza, so one wonders whether they'll be able to keep that as well, but it's just tragic. Also, there's a a story, normally I would just bypass this story, but today it kind of caught my eye for some reason. A Hollywood Hills wife reveals her tips for attracting and marrying wealthy men. She did this on TikTok, and it kind of lays it out. And I'm going to go through some of these things. I just, again, my, my first instinct was to just, oh, please, something on TikTok, let's go past this. But I actually started reading it, and it's like, you know, this is, Interesting. The Supreme Court justice, the nominee hearings for the next justice of the Supreme Court, because she is going to be a justice, 
that vote, it should start, the process, it should start soon. And the aftermath of that, there are so many other things in the news, including Hunter Biden news. And don't forget, today, on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, the Princess of Policy, Diana Me, will join us later in the show. 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. You want to be part of the program, and we are coming right back. Oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. The Foo Fighters bring us back. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Remember, Music Radio WABC is tonight, Cousin Brucey. You'll want to keep it here all day, all week, all weekend. What prompted me, and then we'll move on to some other things. What prompted me to actually think a little bit more about this idea of sexuality and why the young people in this country are being indoctrinated at such an early age. I had a conversation with a young mom. She is in her early 40s, maybe, and her daughter is going to grade school. I guess what would be the equivalent of junior high school age, and she's not even a teenager yet. And the daughter came home and asked her mom, one of my friend, was telling her, not asking a question, was telling her about the discussions that were going on in school and the discussions that the girls were having among themselves was about their body count. Now, most of us hear body count, and we think, well, some kind of casualty, some kind of what the heck, no. And this is what she told me. The body count was the number of different boys that these girls had performed oral sex on. They're not even teenagers. Or barely teenagers in some cases. And I was stunned. Although I shouldn't be. I mean, these kids since the beginning of kindergarten, in some cases, are inundated with all this business about sexuality. Why would we be surprised if this is happening? And why would we, given what we've also seen, why would we be surprised in certain circumstances if the girls taking the lead, they aren't taught anything more these days, about the benefits of not engaging. Just some thoughts. From the Hill, George Floyd protesters granted $14 million in excessive force lawsuit against who? Against the police. Denver protesters from the radical justice rallies in 2020 were granted $14 million after a jury found that police used excessive force on them. A jury of eight found that 11 protesters had their free speech rights and rights to be protected from unreasonable force violated, while others only had their free speech rights violated. Now, why am I bringing this story up? Think about this for a minute. 
The people that marched into the Capitol on January 6th, in many cases, are still in jail. And from what we have read, the conditions in the D.C. jail that they are being held in are depraved. They are similar to what the left was protesting with Abu Ghraib. American citizens being denied medical care, American citizens being held in some cases solitary, not told when their cases are coming up. American citizens being in jail where apparently the food is subpar. And this is okay. However, this is what the left does to protesters on the right. When it comes to their own protesters on the left, they make them millionaires. They make them wealthy. So aside from the funding that the left is getting to actually get these activists into the street and let them disrupt and harm society as best they can and commit arsons and commit chaos and riot, then the left takes the police to court, and makes the protesters rich. People that never had a license to be out in the first place, that were violating the law by not getting permits, that were also some in some cases involved in very violent protests where there was destruction of property, arson, and violence. But the left makes their, pro, makes their protesters wealthy. The left at the same time will punish anybody they can on the right who rises up against them, whether it's on social media. That's one of the things we're going to talk with when domestic policy advisor, the one and only Princess Di, joins us. On social media, they will will stomp you down. You know, most of the speeches from CPAC have now been removed from Google. That would be YouTube, from Alphabet. They've determined that they're not worthy to be on the platform. And that's just, they do this now. They don't even care. They don't think about it. You have these little liberals around here who just say, nope, that's conservative. Let's yank it off. They have a one very simple ideological view of the world. It's progressive. And if you don't line up to be a progressive, they will make sure that you are not allowed to be on the platform. They make their protesters rich. They throw right-wing protesters in jail and keep them in jail under subhuman conditions, and it's okay. If any of you remember the inauguration of Donald J. Trump, Remember, we saw in the streets Antifa throwing, or or members that we believe to be Antifa, throwing Molotov cocktails at buildings, setting buildings on fire, engaging fire. What happened to all of them? Nothing happens to them. What has happened to the protesters in Portland, Oregon, who held that city hostage for months at a time with violence, arson, chaos? Nothing has happened to those protesters for the most part. Maybe one or two have been brought up on charges, but for the most part, it's okay. What has happened in Seattle, where they've been having these sort of protests since 1999? Nothing 
In fact, recently Amazon had to pull their employees from their downtown office because things in that city, in terms of violence and crime, have gotten so out of control, even their employees, the, the largest employee in Seattle, cannot send their employees to downtown Seattle for fear of their own safety. That's how far down Seattle has gone. And yet now you have these millionaire protesters, not to mention the millions of dollars that have been funneled into Black Lives Matter unaccounted for to this day, and there are questions being raised now about how that money has been spent, some of it. But all these woke corporations couldn't wait to start flooding the left, these leftist protesters with money. The left makes their protesters wealthy, while at the same time they throw right-wing protesters in jail. Fact of life. We're watching it play out in front of us. We're going to start with your calls pretty soon. We have much, other, so much other news to get to. Yes, the Supreme Court hearings, that's among them. It's a fait accompli now. She's going to be on the court. The continued attacks on, Tom, on the Thomas family, Jenny and Justice Clarence Thomas. We'll get to that today. Again, we talked about that yesterday. And there's so much more. So stay with us. We've got two and a half hours left here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Have your first or second cup of coffee with us. And don't go away. We'll be back soon. Now, here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. From the 3 Plus 3 album, the Isley Brothers bring us back Ernie Isley on guitar, Ronnie Isley singing the lead. That lady, who's that lady? Yeah, look, but don't touch. WABC Talk Radio 77. Let's head to the phones, and then I'll bring in some of the other news stories. I definitely want to get to uh, the the Supreme Court. Bill Bill Maher. I mean, this guy, you know, half the time Bill Maher says something, and I I say, wow, that's unexpected. He's making sense. And then I was on Bill Maher's show when he did Politically Incorrect on ABC, when it was on ABC Network. I did that show four times. That guy does not like me. One time I turned his audience against him. He got really angry with me. But anyway, that's another story for another day. But Bill Maher today says that today's Republican Party, today's GOP, would be thrilled to have no black justices on the Supreme Court. Bill, stop sounding like a complete idiot. Today's Republican Party, all you have to do is look at the headlines, are defending Clarence Thomas from these vile attacks that he's taking from the left, he and his wife. 
Today's Republican Party wanted Janice Rogers Brown elevated to the to a higher court. And guess who stood against it? Your Democrat friends. Today's Republican Party had actually had another candidate, a black woman, that they wanted to see this time around be elevated. Lindsey Graham just made a whole big deal about that at the beginning of the uh, Katanji nomination hearing. So, Bill Maher, what are you talking about? You sound like a complete idiot. Today's GOP would be thrilled to have no black justices on the Supreme Court. You sound just like you're the racist here. Whatever you think about the GOP is straight out of some something in your mind that does not comport to reality. And you know who else is out there making a big deal? Scarborough. Now, you know, Scarborough used to be a conservative. I met him when he was young, his first term in Congress, and he was as conservative as you get. Now, Morning Joe is one of the most liberal, Trump-hating, right-wing-hating. You know what did it? Ever since he and Mika. Yeah. There's a term for that that we guys use that I will not use on the air here. Deals with being whipped. But anyway, um, Morning Joe is now demanding, and he's whipping Merrick Garland for not going after Jenny Thomas for texting. He believes it's criminal. And this guy is just, he's on another planet. Well, we know which planet he's on, the whipped planet. Let's start with the phones. Pamela, Central New Jersey. Welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy with you. How are you? Good morning. Um, Yeah, you know, Rome was an advanced civilization. Their aqueducts are still working today. Uh, They they, uh, were traveled all around the world. But what brought them down? Decadence. The era of Caligula. And that's what we're in now. And the other side thinks they're winning. Well, you know, right now they are winning with the amount of uh, depravity going on. But eventually they will fall also. And if this is a new world order, global order, the civilization that we knew of Western Europe and America will fall totally and there will be a new world and it will be a scary one. Pamela, interesting thoughts. I have um, at various times studied the Roman Empire or aspects of the Roman Empire, I should say. And the fall of the Roman Empire was over a 600-year fall. It happened over a 600-year period. It, It eroded slowly, at least from our point of view. 600 years, when you look at the totality of history, is a very small period of time as well. But there were a few things that propelled it. It was the decadence that became normal life. It was also, it was also, they over military and their military became in many instances, loyal to individuals rather than to the country. Individual generals controlled their portions of the military so you had these um, these civil wars that went on and on and on during during the decline of Rome. And then let's not forget what happened during the age of Julius Caesar. 
with Mark Antony going for Caesar's sloppy seconds. But that's a whole nother story, too. Uh, yes. But Roman history, I agree with you. Part of the reason that Rome fell be, was because of the decadence that became prevalent in that society. Let us go to Oyster Bay in Long Island. Mike, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. with you. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty well. I, I tell you, this this morning, 7 to 10, is a great time to wake up and have some coffee and listen to you. Um, my point was, when you had mentioned about the uh, the, the new findings, this new pedophilia, uh, pushing kids at a young age to learn in school about sex, and the reason is, that right now the argument you made it was, how could you talk to kids who have no knowledge of anything? But the left's plan is to say, well, now... They've been taught in school since age five. They have the knowledge at age 12 to make decisions about sex, and they want to try to mainstream this and make it legal. And this has been their strategy for 20 years, and now it's now they're going to get someone in the court who's going to push this uh, these these pedophile laws, and they're going to try to normalize it to normal society. Who do, you, who, who, who do they have on the court that you think is going to try to push pedophilia? The, the, new, the newest one, Jackson Brown. When she gets in there, the, 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 you'll see more court cases coming up um, trying to push that they can give legal consent at 12, 11, 10, God forbid, whatever they, whatever they choose. They're going to say that these kids are now educated and they can make decisions, informed decisions about this. Okay, I followed you all the way through here, and I think that you have a very interesting logical approach to this that, that, that I think a lot of people are going to agree to, and I agree to some of it myself. I think, yeah, that makes sense, except... Jackson Brown part. Look, let's be really clear about what this issue was her with with uh, with child pornography. The issue was that she sentenced people below what was asked for from the prosecutors and below what was asked for um, by statute, not not statute, because the statute gave her discretion. And the case was made that she went light. She was soft on crime, not that she was pro pedophilia. Now, the Washington Post today has a story from the case that the GOP highlighted. And the person in this case that was highlighted in this is leading a normal life now. He's not been charged with anything else in all due respect. And I'm not defending her because given what the Republicans said, it was a light sentence for what his crime was. But he, and her defense was that he was young. This was his first defense. It was more curiosity, him looking at these um, images of child, and he only did so for a short period of time. That's what she said. Now, the case can be made. Both cases, to me, if we're going to be completely fair, can be made. She has been to a degree, unless there's some information that we are not being told by the Washington Post or the New York Times, whichever one it was in. She has been proved out over the long term in that this person is not a recidivist pedophile. Um, And he wrote her a very letter which she either fell for or was duped into it or that she was convinced because he was sincere. I don't know. I don't think that we should smear the left like they smear us. I think we what we need to do is at all times give an honest evaluation about what their stance is and not try to over-dramatize it or not try to make them something that they're not. 
I don't think that Katanji um, Jackson is pro-pedophilia at all. I think what she is is extremely radical. And she's an uber-progressive. And I was more interested, rather than the child pornography stuff that came up, in what's being taught in the school that she is on the board of directors for, what you cannot term anything other than critical race theory. And she's totally in support of that. It was curious, this deal where she stands on gender, that she can't even, or she's afraid to actually identify what makes a woman a woman. Very odd. Enough there with Katanji Brown that we don't have to. We don't have to go into a direction of of stretching the truth to actually understand why she shouldn't be on the court, even though she would be. So I would just urge all of us when we're dealing with these people on the left, let's not exaggerate who they are because what they are is all we need to make a sound argument about why they shouldn't be in power. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. More of your calls coming up. Don't go away, please. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on 77 WABC. Marvin. Marvelous Marvin. Gay brings us back, heard it through the grapevine. When you listen to Marvin at this stage in his career, and then you go listen to him later in career, he made an adjustment to the way that he was singing. There's a biography that he did that explains all of that and why he did it. That was quite interesting for those of you really, really, you know, Marvin fans. Yeah, this was Motown about in there when they were really exploding. And you know, this was the second version of Heard It Through the Grapevine that was a hit. They had a hit. This one was a hit twice with two different artists from Motown. Gladys Knight and the Pips did this, and their version was a hit, and Marvin did this. I think Marvin's was afterwards, and Marvin's was a huge hit. Anyway, let's go to Sag Harbor. Jonathan, how are you? Welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you, Jonathan? Great. It's a great pleasure to hear you. This is the first time I listened to your program and i'm going to be listening to it every week from now on thank you but the the point i wanted to bring up is that uh this nomination of uh brown jackson is so thoroughly illegal and i seem to be the only minority in the country who who recognizes why do you say it's illegal please uh, please educate us why well well suppose instead of the, the Supreme Court, it was uh, General Motors looking for a new president. And we said, no persons of color may apply. But they'd be in court in five minutes. Oh, I see. Every- look, Jonathan, I, look, I understand your point of view. 
And the fact that Joe Biden publicly announced that he was not going to look for anyone else is discriminatory. And maybe, maybe, maybe someday down the road, some brilliant legal mind will find a way to use that. But it is, it is, it was shameful and it was unnecessary, by the way. He never had to announce that. The only thing he had, he should have just done to avoid any controversy was just pick her and that'd be the end of it. He never had to make a big deal that this is what he was going to do. But it is discriminatory. Democrats don't have to obey the laws, Jonathan. We see it time and time again. Thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Let's go to Phil in Long Island Beach. How are you this morning, Phil? I'm good. I'm in Barnegat, New Jersey. But anyway, to make a little story short, I want to make it a good day for you. I'm going to turn you into a good album. It's on Deutsch Gramophone. I did it. We promoted this record in the 70s on NEW and and, uh, MMR and all the other FM stations. Seagull Swall Jazz Blues Band. Three pieces for a jazz blues band featuring Seiji Ozawa conducting the San Francisco Symphony. Really? The B-side had, yeah, the B-side has uh, uh, West Side Story of, with him conducting. The thing is, the, the A-side, we had it on the FM stations, but the Germans, because I worked at Polydor, they wouldn't let us press the DGG in the United States. So we we had to stop getting airplay on the FM stations. Wow. It was a classic. Yeah, so I wanted to turn you on to that. Okay, give me the you, name one more time. You were going really fast, okay? Yeah, go ahead. Give me the name of the album one more time. The album is the Seagull Swall Jazz Blues Band. Okay. Three Pieces for a Jazz Blues Band is the title of the album featuring Stacey Alzawa conducting the San Francisco Symphony. Okay, got it. Phil, thank you. And so you were, you were in the business. You were working with Polydor at the time. You know, Polydor has a lot of, um, uh, in their catalog, they, had, they have a lot of great music that never, some of it was never hits. One of my favorite artists of all time was with Polydor, and he never had, well, he had a minor hit record that, turned into a major hit record when it was sampled by rappers, and that would be Edwin Birdsong. And Edwin Birdsong has a Supernatural album on Polydor that is just amazing. It was so far ahead of its time, didn't become a hit, but I like it anyways. This is a great record. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate that, and we, I will look up that record, and I'm sure many people in the audience will, based on your recommendation. Let's go to Poughkeepsie, New York, and John. Welcome, John. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. You're a part of it. What's on your mind? Good morning. I'd like to talk about uh, some of the points of view made in the past that uh, refer to uh, the communist agenda in America or socialism in America. And I came across a book that I found to be very interesting and uh, pretty much spot on to what we hear today. And I just want to give you, if you have just a moment to take to listen to some of these talking points that are in the book. The communist agenda said they they wanted to capture one or both of the political parties in the United States. Another one is get control of the schools, use them as transmission belts for socialism, uh, infiltrate the press, get control of book reviews, 
uh, editorial writings, etc. Uh, let me see what else. Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. The list goes on and on and on. Well, 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 John. What's the name of the book? The name of the book is The Naked Communist, written wow. by a man named Skozen, S-K-O-U-Z-E-N. Look, what makes this all so incredible was the book was written in 1958. And and look at society today. Well, thank you. I will always remember the images of Nikita Khrushchev with that shoe in his hand, claiming that he's going to bury us, that we will bury you. Well, hmm, interesting. Thank you. Talking about communism, let's go to Brooklyn with Jimmy. Jimmy, WABC Talk Radio 77. Welcome. How are you, Jimmy? I'm doing well this morning, uh, Bo. Uh, I just want to let you know that you have a huge following here in Brooklyn, uh, and it really is a pleasure to uh, listen to you. Thank you. On WABC. Yes, uh, you're very welcome. Uh, But I wanted to bring up a point. um, I'm sure you are aware of it, but I didn't hear you bring it up. Uh, St. Peter's, the basketball team, uh, they made it from the Sweet 16. They're now in the Elite Eight as of last night. Uh, both times, including last night and last week when they uh, were in the Sweet 16, when they returned home to Jersey City, uh, they, every member of the team, coaches included, were wearing BLM T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Now, uh you know, I mean, we went through this with the NBA and the NFL and all that, you know, that nonsense that that, that happened. And I don't want to quit. It's not really nonsense. I mean, it was serious stuff. But I thought we were past this. I really did. But, you know, thinking about it a little further, and I don't know if you would agree with me or not, let me know. Do you think that uh, Soros, Mr. Soros there, uh, uh you know, wrote a nice, healthy, fat check to St. Peter's for them to be wearing these T-shirts? No, I don't think that at all. I think that this is how the left now, anybody that believes in liberalism, and they also are in an entertainment, and let's, let's remember, basketball is entertainment. It's the sports division of entertainment, but it is still entertainment. And most people in the entertainment verticals, in the industries, are liberals. And what do liberals do? They virtue signal to each other. Oh, look at me. I'm a good liberal. I may be dumb as a brick on the issues, but I know the talking points from the left. And so these BLM shirts don't. No. And I, by the way, Jimmy, I didn't hear about it because I have tuned out of sports. I'm, all my life since I was age five years old, I was a Dallas Cowboy fan. I was monogamous. I had one team only my whole life. The Dallas Cowboy fans. When this kneeling business started. That was it for me. I'm done with the NFL. I'm done watching these semi-literate multimillionaire athletes who can barely put together four sentences to make a paragraph trash the United States of America when they wouldn't be able to have a career like they have anywhere else in the world. And it is a shame to me that this is tolerated by a league a sports league in this country. The same goes with the 
Basketball Association. I had stopped watching that years ago when it seemed like they'd given in to the thugs. And then I used to call it the Thug Basketball Association. People got mad at that. And also, then it's moved on into college sports. It's moved into high school sports, you see these displays, because kids look up to these athletes. And and that's what makes all of this so bad. Instead of these athletes standing up and saying, this is the greatest nation on the face of the earth, I have a wonderful career that wouldn't have been allowed me anywhere else, these people hate their country. And they walk around talking like they are the oppressed. They haven't been oppressed a minute in their lives. They've been coddled. Let's face facts. Most of them couldn't do any other job but the job they're doing. I shouldn't say most because I don't know that to be true. I should say some of them who are the most outspoken. If you can understand what they're saying, which is a challenge, they wouldn't be able to do anything else. They should be grateful to this nation that they have so many will pay their good money to watch them perform. And I'm not taking anything away from their performance. They're amazing performers. But that's what they are. They're performers with a limited shelf life. And after that shelf life, most of them will be able to retire incredibly wealthy. And thank goodness, because if they had to work for a living, demonstrate their intelligence, well, that would be a challenge. But instead of being grateful to this country, what do they do? They trash it at every turn. So I wasn't aware, Jimmy, that St. Peter's did this. It's shameful, of course. But what do we expect from the left? They're, this is what they do. They virtual signal to each other, oh, look at me, oh, look at me. I'm part of the protest. I'm part of the raising my voice for equality, for, for the oppressed. They're not oppressed a day in their lives. They don't understand what real oppression is. And if they did, they would understand what role America has played in lifting oppression from the world. And yes, it took America a hundred and some odd years before we addressed our fundamental flaw as a nation. But what a short time that is in a period of history. America has done more than any other nation to free more people around the world with the sacrifice of her treasure, her sons and daughters around the world to help bring other people to a better standard of life than they would have had otherwise, to a freer life than they would have had otherwise. And that is why people outside of this country still look at America as the light of the world. This world is a vicious place, folks. If you look at what people go through in other countries, and then you look at our standard of living here and the standard of living in Western civilizations, night and day. And America still stands, despite what liberals are doing to this country, we are still the light of the world. Well, our number one, done. Our number duo, coming up shortly. We have so many people to speak with on the phones. I've got so much news to still go through with you on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Remember, later in the show, our beloved princess, the beautiful, wonderful, incredible Princess Di joins us. Keep it right here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back right after this. Golden, a.k.a. 
Lady Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. WABC Talk Radio 77. It is our second hour. Our number duo of our Saturday morning, a radio extravaganza. Glad you're with us. If you'd like to participate on the phones, all you have to do is dial 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And I'd like to give a shout-out to John Katz. You know, John Katzimachidis was on the show yesterday with me. It was Greek Independence Day, and I wanted to have him on because he is, his family came from Greece. He's a He was here, immigrant from Greece. His family immigrated here from Greece. And he is the true definition of a self-made man. He went to school in at he went to school at PS one ninety two, went to later high school at Brooklyn Tech, working in a grocery store when an opportunity was made available to him to take a note, take on a note, and he didn't know whether he could pay it back at the time, so that he could have partial ownership and ownership and from there John has built an amazing empire, including the purchase of WABC Radio, which has been great fortune for this radio station, this icon in American radio. And John is an example that the American dream is not dead. It is alive. And there are so many opportunities today. There are so many opportunities for young people today to make their name. Right now, the old institutions are beginning to fade away. If you listen to our podcast series, The Future is Now, you'll learn that we're in the midst of a revolution that will be bigger than the, inf- the Internet revolution, dealing with blockchain companies, what that means. Also, we're in the middle, middle of a currency revolution. You all know about Bitcoin. And right now, the major players, the banks, are getting involved in big ways, Goldman Ch- Sachs has already initiated a trade. That marketplace is going to do nothing but grow in coming years. This is truly a worldwide revolution that is taking place on from that circumstance, just like the Internet was. And so there are plenty of opportunities for people, more opportunities today than there were yesterday. So this feeling that America is somehow a land of oppression, this is a land of opportunity. And it's still, and John is the perfect example of that, that it is possible. So it was a wonderful segment. That is part of the podcast series you can find on, on the, all the podcasts at WABC. And every host on WABC does podcasts. And you can find some amazing things not only on the air here during the week and on the weekend, but with the podcast, podcast from Red Apple Media, and we urge you, And you can find those podcasts on any platform that you get podcasts from. You don't have to make a special trip to WABCRadio.com, but you should. But if you want to just go to Apple, you can find them there. I have three podcasts. We're getting ready to do a fourth. One of my podcasts is On the Border, which is a look at reporting you will not hear anywhere else. Todd Benzman, On the Border. And we have some other surprises coming up on that podcast. And I say this all the time. If Todd were a member of the mainstream press, he'd be up for a Pulitzer Prize. His reporting is that good and that, and he breaks that much news. Then we have Science is Golden, 
and that is with an Emmy Award-winning scientist who was just amazing, Dr. Michael Gillum. Those happen infrequently because Dr. Gillum is so busy, but we're looking at ways now that we can expand that to be a weekly podcast as well. We have The Future Is Now. And The Future Now, we're talking, and I speak every week with the founder of Interblock Capital, and he is a man that was part of the Internet Revolution Worked at Netscape during the early days, James Eisenberg. He is a wealth of information. If you really want to understand the opportunities that are going to be available and that are available right now, right now, this is a podcast for you. If you are older and you have children and your children aren't hip to what's going on with the new revolution, you ought to tell your children to listen to this podcast series because we explain it. And I am in a position there that I don't have the knowledge. So I'm asking questions and we're looking for a way right now to include listener and viewer questions in that podcast. But the future is now really give it a listen because there are so many. It's like right now there is, there are opportunities waiting for people if they just understand how to connect with this new economy that is emerging. And it is possible. You know, you may have an NFT in your house and you don't even know it. What's an NFT? It's a non-fungible token. What is that? It's something that someone would want to buy from you at an extremely high price, by the way, in some cases. That's a unique, one-of-a-kind thing or they want to buy the rights to use it. It's it's amazing how these things are, what is taking place in our economy right now. And you can go to the future is now. That's one that you should pass along to your friends. If you have younger children that are capable of understanding it, let's say from, from the late junior high schools on up through high school and college, you should turn them on to that podcast because it will help them understand what the opportunities are that are emerging. And if you want to understand it yourself, of course, investors are always going to, and, and right now the investment houses are moving in to this new economy. So anyway, I say all of that to say thanks, John Katz, for being with us. And John Katz, you can hear every weekday right after my program at 4 and on the weekends. Katz, you know, so... Great. He was amazing yesterday. Listen to that podcast, too. All right, turning our attention to other matters, Joe Biden, president of the United States, told U.S. troops, this is a story from bizpackreview.com, bizpackreview.com. Biden tells U.S. troops what they can expect to see when, when they go to Ukraine. And that caused the White House to issue a quick cleanup. Because until now, Joe Biden has been telling everybody they're not going to be any American boots on the ground. And this is what he said. You're going to see when you're there, you're going to see women, young people standing in the middle, in the front of a damn tank saying, I'm not leaving, I'm holding my ground. Well, that sounds like he's committed to sending American troops. So the White House had to go out and say that what he said is not what he said, what he said is not what he said. Don't, don't let your ears deceive you. What you heard you didn't hear. Nice to see the two Republican leaders 
McConnell and McCarthy defending Justice Thomas, the liberals have ramped up the second phase of their high-tech lynching against Clarence Thomas, and they're using Jenny Thomas to do it. Jenny is a political activist. I know Jenny. She's a friend. I know Justice Thomas. I've been blessed to meet them several times over the years. I've been blessed to have dinner at their house on one occasion. They're just amazing people. Jenny Thomas is an activist. Jenny Thomas is her own independent soul. She is her own independent woman. She is capable of making political thought herself. She doesn't have to ask her husband's permission to think what she thinks. She's a person that is not a Siamese twin of Justice Thomas. And yet the liberals are acting if her views are going to bleed over to his or his views bleeding over to whatever it is, and they're demanding now, in some cases the far left is demanding that Justice Thomas be impeached because his wife has a text or had a text relationship with Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. By the way, Jenny knows everybody in D.C. circles. People, She's been active for years. Okay, she has a Wednesday meeting with the group that she has that a lot of the D.C. types call into. She's an amazing person. She knows the issues. She's active. And why shouldn't she be active? The left tried to destroy her and her family. Of course she'd want to be active after the left does that. Any sane person would. But yet they're trying to make a big deal out of the fact, and, and this is what caused those Scarborough Mr. Whipped over there to react so strongly, demanding that Merrick Garland file charges against her. Nonsense. Well, anyway, Mitch McConnell and McCarthy are both defending Justice Thomas, as they should. Now, once again, the Washington Post tried to play it off like what happened to Katanji Jackson was, was worse than anything that ever happened to Kavanaugh. Worse than anything that ever happened. And that's just complete bull. Do you remember what they tried to do to Justice Thomas? Specifically, Joe Biden, when he was on the, when he was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee when Clarence Thomas was nominated. I remember. Do you remember this? Go ahead and play it. Committee will please come to order. Judge, it's a tough day and tough night for you, I know. Let me uh, ask, do you have anything you'd like to say before we begin? I understand that uh, your preference is, uh, which is totally and completely understandable, that we go one hour tonight, 30 minutes on each side. Is Am I correct in that? That's right. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Senator, I would like to start by saying unequivocally, uncategorically, that I deny each and every single allegation against me today that suggested in any way that I had conversations of a sexual nature or about pornographic material with Anita Hill, that I ever attempted to date her, that I ever had any personal sexual interest in her, or that I in any way 
ever harassed her. A second, and I think more important point, I think that this today is a travesty. I think that it is disgusting. I think that this hearing should never occur in America. This is a case in which this sleaze, this dirt, was searched for by staffers of members of this committee, was then leaked to the media, and this committee and this body validated it and displayed it at prime time over our entire nation. How would any member on this committee, any person in this room, or any person in this country would like sleaze said about him or her in this fashion? Or this dirt dredged up in this gossip and these lies displayed in this manner? How would any person like it? The Supreme Court is not worth it. No job is worth it. I'm not here for that. I'm here for my name, my family, my life, and my integrity. I think something is dreadfully wrong with this country when any person, any person in this free country would be subjected to this. This is not a closed room. There was an FBI investigation. This is not an opportunity to talk about difficult matters privately or in a closed environment. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. US Senate rather than hung from a tree. Now, keep in mind, Joe Biden, this is the same Joe Biden that said he did not want his kids going to those jungle schools, meaning he didn't want his kids having to go to schools with black people. Keep in mind, this is the same Joe Biden. You can go through his history and find these supposed gaffes. They're not gaffes. They're actually things that Joe Biden have said that reveal what he really thinks of certain groups in this country. Now, keep in mind that this Anita Hill has never, re- has never ever said, you know what, they used me. And I let myself be used on purpose to try to stop Clarence Thomas. No, she holds on to this like she's some kind of saint and that this really happened. And when you think about the ridiculousness of the stuff that the Democrats said that, that Justice Thomas did, sending a pubic hair on a Coke can to her, that is what these Democrats actually accused Justice Thomas of doing. It is absurd on its face and it's stupid that anyone could believe that such a thing happened. 
Well, right after these hearings, America was overwhelmingly galvanized behind Clarence Thomas. They believed he was telling the truth. And over the years, liberals have kept up their propaganda, including movies, which they use Hollywood for, and everything else to elevate Anita Hill so that now young people have no idea what really happened in those hearings. And liberals have continued to use the same kind of sleaze, smear, lies against other nominees. They did it to Justice Alito. They did it to Justice Kavanaugh. They did it to Justice Gorsuch. They did it to the new Justice Burnett, even though they couldn't do it to her to the same degree that they did the others. They couldn't try to make it sexual, which is what they go to every time. And each one of these smears, they have an ally. That ally is the mainstream press in this country. Their allies, the New York Times, the Washington Post, ABC Network, NBC Network, that supposed network. Boy, I tell you what, Huntley and Brinkley must be turning in their graves wondering what the hell became of that network. CBS, there used to be Tiffany Network. They all, when these Democrats come out with these obvious scams at judicial hearings, they all bite and they all portray it like this is, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, look what's, look what's being alleged here. They never do the thorough investigations necessary to dispel these scams and to actually dig into how these stories make their way and how these witnesses happen to be found by Senate staffers to this day. And over and over again, it's a crock. And for the Washington Post to insist that what happened to Kataji Brown uh, Jackson is what happened, and, and that she was somehow injured by all this, it's laughable. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back in a moment. Oh, knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. The one. The only. Musical genius of Prince that brings us back on WABC. Doves cry. WABC Talk Radio 77. Remember, music radio with Cousin Brucey's tonight. And we have music radio all weekend long. There's a story in the Hill today, the memo, Democrats hope GOP overplayed hand in Jackson hearings. Well, get over your hope, because they didn't. They asked her about her record, and they drilled her about her record. 
And if she can't defend her record, then too freaking bad. Okay? Get over it. Now, of course, we always have to have one. If it's not Mitt Romney, if it's not Sue Collins, who, you know, okay, I'm going to take some heat for this. I actually like Sue Collins. Sometimes. I mean, some of her votes infuriate me. Some of the votes that she makes totally infuriate me, but I actually like Sue Collins. If it's not her, if it's not Mitt Romney, who I, anyway, if it's not those two or Lisa Murkowski, then it's this guy, Ben Sass, rhymes with. Now, he says he's not going to be voting to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the court. He said she's an extraordinary person, extraordinary American story. We both love this country, but we disagree on judicial philosophy, and I am sadly unable to vote for this confirmation. She has impeccable credentials, deep knowledge of the law, blah, 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 blah. But at every turn this week, she not only refused to claim originalism as her judicial philosophy, she refused to claim any judicial philosophy at all. Now, this is the same Ben Sass who ran roughshod over his fellow Republicans. He accused them, hey, Debbie, this is not my word. I have a friend that tells me my language is terrible. I love her dearly. But she says, you shouldn't be using these words on the air. So I just have to issue a one. Debbie, this is not my word. Anyway, Ben Sass called these hearings with his fellow Republicans asking questions, jackassery. Of course, end quote, he dumps on his fellow Republicans. And if it were not for the questioning of Ted Cruz and of even Lindsey Graham, sometimes referred to as Lindsey Gramnesty, we wouldn't know what it is that Sass says happened, which is they cornered her. And that's when she refused to claim her judicial philosophy. Totally cornering her. Anyway, WABC, Talk Radio 77, James Golden. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. Oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Prince brought us back last time. Now it's MJ. There's going to be a show, a Broadway production about MJ. Of course, this was his really huge album. I mean, Off the Wall did really well. I think that sold 13 million. But this one, oh, it was in the stratosphere. At the time, the largest selling album ever. Thriller. Of course, this song was written by Rod Temperton, who wrote so many hits. And there's a so there's a funny story if you remember the end of this, Boris Koloff does the <laughs> he's laughing all I can't do it. 
But um, it's really dramatic at the end of the long version of this. And he wrote that out, it turns out, in a taxi cab on his way to the session. Yes. And this, of course, this song led to the video revolution on MTV. This was the most played music video, and it brought so many people in because this was a really short movie. It wasn't just some guy singing to a soundtrack. And it was a brilliant movie. Changed the game. Anyway, let's go to Ed in Maplewood, New Jersey. Hey, Ed, welcome. WABC, thanks for holding. How are you this morning? Yeah, good morning, James. This is a perfect segue because you stopped me in my tracks last Saturday when you mentioned the famous record producer, Tom Bell. <gasps> Tom Bell. I had the honor of doing many sessions with Tom in Philly playing percussion, and I just got to tell you what type of guy he was. He paid all his rhythm section guys double scale, he was very loyal when he did the James Ingram tune uh, during the credit roll of City Slickers. Mm-hmm. He flew me to L.A. to play timpani. Now, there's probably 100 timpanists in L.A. that could have cut that track. But just here's, here's a guy, Gamble, Huff, and Bell. They, were, they couldn't even get a mortgage for the building that they wanted to get in Philadelphia on South Broad Street. Well, they finally got the mortgage, and they paid it off in a year. So, uh, you know, they didn't want to give a mortgage to three black guys from West Philadelphia and Camden, New Jersey. So uh, Tom Bell is one of the nicest, sweetest, greatest guys. I still get a call from him once in a while. And like you said, he lives in Bellingham, Washington. And it's just, um, to me, uh, right up there with Barry Gordy and Templeton and all those guys that you have knowledge about with the R&B. That's for the audience that doesn't know who we're talking about. Let's play a, one of his many, many, many hits. He had so many. He was a songwriter with Linda Creed. And by the way, that's another story, he and Linda Creed, because she was just an amazing lyricist. A lot of people tried to make more of that relationship than it was, but it was a professional relationship that he had with Linda Creed. Sadly, Linda Creed died of cancer early on, but her foundation, I think, is still in existence. But let's just play one of the songs that people might recognize that Tom Bell not only wrote but produced. Hit it. I'll never find the words, my love, to tell you how I feel, my love. Mere words could not explain. Precious love, you held my life within your hands, created everything I am, taught me how to live again. This is the stylistics. Song 
many, one of many hit records produced, written Tom Bell. Part of the Mighty Three music, as Ed has said. Ed, you remember, did you play on that session, Ed? No, but you know what? That was Vince Montana before me playing vibes. But I work with Johnny Mathis still. <gasps> you we, did? And Johnny, Johnny still does that tune in his nightclub act. <laughs> wow. You know Tom didn't want to release that record. He had a problem with the word God. You know, because when Linda wrote the lyrics, God bless you, Tom put, you know, I really don't want to get religion. That's That's how strange it was back then, but... Yeah, Tom had a problem with the word God, but of course, that's history now. Now, another couple... And that's one of the things that drew people to the song, because it was so refreshing to actually hear somebody say, God bless you, back in that age. That was when we were in the height of there is no God going on, folks. And a couple gems that you may want to look into. We did a track. I did uh, Going to Take a Miracle with Denise Williams. I played Bob. I love that that song. Right. I love that recording. And also the tune uh, for City Slickers we did with James Ingram that we did in L.A. But, like, here are three guys that came out of, like, well, Tom was born in Jamaica, Gamble and Huff, West Philly and Camden. And, you know, it's they're like a, a mega industry. But Tom Bell, when I was getting dressed last Saturday morning, you mentioned his name. It's like I got to call James and just tell them. Good for you for knowing the history. And like I said, he did. A, we did a lot of dates with the Stylistics and Johnny Mathis. And John still does a couple tunes. Stop, look, and listen. And, oh, uh, and, that uh, version and, is amazing. In fact, I used that version on our Valentine's Day podcast of Stop, Look, and Listen with Johnny Mathis. I love Johnny Mathis, by the way. And did you do any of the Spinner's dates? Yeah, uh, yes, I did. And there's another great album that we did with Tom. It's a real gem. It was a turkey of a movie called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Oh, I remember that, yeah. With Dr. J. And, well, if you go to YouTube and just call up the tracks with the Silvers and Doc Severin and uh, Phyllis Hyman, it's unbelievable. The oh, movie was the late, like, great Phyllis Hyman. Oh, my gosh. But changing, uh, just change gears for a minute, James, like mm-hmm. reading about all these crazies in the subway, like with 30 and 40 prior arrests to push people and stab people. God forbid that a guy like me and you wouldn't pay for a parking ticket. They'd be on our butts Thank every you. three months, you know, so uh, so that's it. You made my week. You made my day. And I'm glad I held in there. You do a great job. And God uh, do bless me a you. favor. Leave your number. Next time you talk to Tom Bell, please tell him we want to do an interview with him. OK. Oh, sure. Uh, I'll just hold on and I'll leave my number. OK. Give him a call and tell him that we just had this segment. and We want to do an interview with him. I love that man. Thanks, Ed. WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden. Let's go to Helen in Fairfield, Connecticut. Helen, welcome. How are you this morning? Hi, James. Well, uh, this is the first. I started this morning in Connecticut. Now I'm in Brooklyn. So I ah! crossed state, li- state lines for you. Um, you. So <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I love the fact that you have such an eclectic show. Um, music, I love music, and all the music you play is absolutely, it's different, it's wonderful, it's cool. And I really like the conversation you just had about Tom Bell. 
that I'm learning about. You know, I, I don't know um, anywhere near as much as, as you do and a lot of other people, but the depth of what you present is great. Anyway, I called about this whole thing with the hearing right now, and once again, you played um, the um, Thomas here, the, the, the Justice Thomas time when um, Joe Biden did that unbelievable hatchet job on him. And, um, and, and since then, it just seems that the only thing that matters to the questioners seems to be sex. That's about it. There's nothing really um, that I feel is of great substance, um, especially on the part of the Democrats. Now, why don't we go into the intellectual part of really what's important? Why don't we really talk about, um, you know, case history and and what their philosophy is and stay away from the purient stuff that seems to be very titillating and all of that, but really doesn't shed all that much light upon what this future justice is going to be about. And um, it really just annoys me, the, the lack of intelligence that really goes um, on there. And it's an insult to the person that's being interviewed, and it's certainly an insult to the American public who has to endure this every single time. And I also loved your point with regard to let's not have the Republicans stoop to um, doing some of the things that the Democrats um, do on either side. They should be elevated and and really do things on a, a higher intellectual plane. Helen, you were just brilliant and wonderful. I thank you for holding on and thank you for sharing your thoughts with us and those kind words, too. Let me just say in regard to uh, it's all sex. Occasionally they will do something else. When it was uh, Justice Barrett, they tried to focus on her religion. Okay. And, and, and there were signals that they were going to do that because she is a devoted Christian. She's also Catholic. And so they really were trying to make a big deal out of that, but it fizzed. And with Clarence Thomas, that was the beginning of using the sex as the weapon. But let's not forget what they did to Justice Bork. And with Justice Bork, one day we ought to get that Kennedy clip. In fact, you know, when we ought to make a montage of the Democrats and how they retreat and how they treat Republican nominees, not just for the Supreme Court, but look what they did to Miguel Estrada. Look what they've tried to do to Janice Rogers Brown. These people are ruthless and with, with, with this. And you are right. America deserves so much better. And we had so much better until Ted Kennedy, Senator Ted Kennedy, not the brightest of the Kennedy bunch, opened warfare on judicial nominees, and from there it has escalated from the Democrat side. And it's just shameful that the Washington Post would try to compare what has happened to Katanji Jackson, which was mostly respectful. All of it was respectful. They just asked the woman about her record, which is exactly what you said, Helen. Ask her about her record so we could understand the underlying judicial philosophy of the nominee. And for the Washington Post to say that this was worse than what happened to Kavanaugh, it just shows you that they are hopelessly biased, which we already knew, intellectually dishonest, and they will never be a source of real news or good opinion, at least not when it comes to politics. Helen, I hope you call again. Thank you so much for the call. 
Let us go to Jim in Afton, New York. Jim, welcome WABC Talk Radio 77. Hey, good morning, James. Love the show. Thank you. I love what John Katsimatidis has done with the station. I mean, really, I, I stream it all day long, whether I'm on the road, up at the farm. That's what I listen to. That and some podcasts. But back to your original uh, thing with the program with the sex and, and all that. I think it's just evil's way of attacking us through, you know, our desires. And with the Internet, there's just a way more... Way more avenues it could do that. You know what I mean? Um, this is, wait, wait, wait. I want, uh, Jim, I want you to actually say that again because this is an interesting way that you put this. And if you weren't with us the first hour, I talked about how sex has been used since the 1960s now. One of the things that the left has done very successfully is detach sexuality from any idea of morality, from any idea of religious or spiritual nature that 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 for from the time that there was mankind those things were actually part of the same teaching that sex was a way to honor the sacredness of life and the sacredness of a relationship in a moral environment but now it's just blatant hedonism and it has been that from the 60s so that's what Jim is responding to, and he said something very interesting. This is evil's way of preying on us. What do you mean by that, Jim? Well, James, it, you know, I'm a very strong, faithful person. Can I say you're religious? A lot of religions are, are, are you know, uh, twisted by men for their own reasons. I'm a strong Christian, um, and I, I did my thing back in the 70s and 80s, too. Um, but, you know, I lost everything, and I got brought to my knees. You can look down or you can look up. I looked up to God, the tears in my eyes, and he really has been a strong force in my life ever since. But evil on, hates men. And if you look at the satanic church, their main tenet is that you do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. You're, you're God. Don't worry about God. You do what you want to do. You don't got to listen to his laws because they hate God and they hate us. And, who, and what's the most precious thing to God? Children. Those are, you know, people say, oh, I, I took a woman and her children on as my own. And I've had friends say, oh, you know, someone else. I said, they're not someone else's kids. They're God's kids. And that's the biggest responsibility I've ever had in my life, raising those kids. You know, and like I said, it's just evil has so many ways to attack us today. Look at TikTok. 90% of TikTok is little girls dancing like strippers. You know what I mean? And, you know, and they get addicted to it. You know, I, I'm raising I'm raising two granddaughters now, and yeah, I gotta I gotta watch what they're on all the time. You know, and taking their phone or iPad away is like beating them with a switch. <laughs> That's the degree, you know, how they re, how they react. I mean, I live on we bought a farm. I'm a Jersey guy, man. I grew up going to strip bars, biker bars, nightclubs. You know, I did. I, I lived a very debaucherous life when I was younger. You know, what I mean, and I lost everything. But guess what? I have five times more now. And you're talking to a guy who has zero credit rating from the 90s. If you pull my credit, it's zero. But I live, I own a farm, I own a diner, I probably have a million dollars in real estate, a couple hundred thousand dollars in equipment, and I start my day in gratitude and I end my day in gratitude. You know, there's, there's, that's the biggest key to happiness is gratitude, being happy for what you have. And knowing that this isn't it, that inner knowing that everything will be okay, because this isn't really our home, this is a bus stop at eternity, my beliefs. Our, our, my belief is that our home is with God. 
know, and that's what pe- people, you know, they're always searching for things. And that search, what they're searching for is that emptiness of where we, where we really belong. And if they turn to God, he, he, the miraculous things he could do is, is unspeakable. You know, I mean, I've had, I should have been dead a hundred times over different scenarios. I mean, everything I have, I shouldn't have. You know, like the farm, we, I, we were looking at another home. We passed this farm. It wasn't even for sale. I didn't even have the money or the credit to buy it. And we said, oh, God, we'd love to have that. That'd be great. Guess what? I own that farm now. <laughs> the same thing with the diner. I passed that diner for 10 years saying, God, I love to own that. It was closed, and we we're going to take that intersection out. I own that diner today, and I, don't have the mon- I didn't have the money or credit to buy it, but God found a way to make it happen. And, and that's, like I said, with the evil, you know, it's just – Honestly, I think Joe Biden is like our Judas. He sold his soul for 30 pieces of silver. And I think wow. our country's going through a, crucif- a crucifixion right now. From what we had when Trump was president, and he wasn't perfect. They hated him because he was an alpha male that exposed the darkness in, in Washington. He didn't go there to get rich. They, most of them go in there thousandaires, and they come out millionaires. And guess what? The job doesn't pay that much. How did they get that money? He exposed all that. <laughs> So they went nuclear option on him. Every possible thing they could do, they went nuclear option, you know, and they and, and you know, we are where we are right now. But like I said, John, I got to run here because time is running out. I want you to call again. You're an amazing caller. And I think you have enthralled this audience. I'm waiting to hear what people say about your call. Want to hear from you again. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Thank you. We're coming back right after this. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Diana Ross and the Supremes from the glory days of Motown bring us back on WABC, North New York City. You know what's so funny? I remember hearing a lot of these songs on the AM radio in the car. And, of course, on what radio station? WABC. And it was just it just brings back so many memories that are so, so good. Let's go to Florida and Jamie. Jamie, thanks for holding. Welcome, WABC. Part of, you're part of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Jamie? <laughs> I'm actually a weekly listener. I listen to all of you guys. I love WABC. I love John. John Cantimatidis. Oh my yes. God, what a man. I love him. Very inspirational. I love you. I love your spirit. I love that you're fighting back. And that is really why I'm calling because your caller, a couple of, couple of callers back, said we have to be intellectual and all of this stuff. I think that is wrong. I think we should get in the gutter. And question those people. <laughs> I swear to God, look, the Patriots got in the gutter and killed some Southerners and stuff like that to make the union. Why are we being so nice? 
You know, the woman asked, uh, you know, the, um, the, uh, you know, the Supreme Court, um, you know, the woman is trying to get into the Supreme Court. You know, what is a woman? And then she lets it go. I think she's, and then she's so smart to her, too. I think she should have questioned, you know, if you're going to be here, you're going to be a Supreme Court justice. you got to have respect for people. I think she was totally disrespectful by just brushing her aside. And she let her. I think they should just go after her and say, well, how can you decide in these women's issues if you can't even decide what a woman is? Now, you Jamie, I, mean? I love the thought, but let me just let me answer your question. And I'm going to answer your question using now, look, I have to tell you something. I believe in political warfare. OK, just so we're straight here. I believe in political warfare. I believe you go toe to toe with these people. I believe you don't let anything slide. But where I draw the line is lying, smears, or anything that is immoral or unethical. I believe in ethically right political warfare. You don't compromise your ethics. You don't compromise the truth. Because when you do that, you stoop to the level in the sewer that they go to. And that's what she was saying. Now, let me explain why. Because two evils don't equal right. We are fighting evil. And we cannot become evil to fight evil. Otherwise, the only thing that will get produced from that is more evil. And by the way, if you want to know what is inflicting so much of the United States now, take a look at this power, evil. Okay? Now, we can fight these people without resorting to being evil. We can fight them. Diana made this point a few weeks ago, and so did we had a caller from South Bend, Indiana, Rhonda Schrock, who made this Call it too. She writes a, a, a nice blog on coffee <laughs> and coffee. Anyway, make the point that we have truth on our side. And when you have truth, that is what you need to combat evil. We don't have to become them. We don't have to use those tactics. But no one is saying to shy away from the fight, which is what you're saying. You don't want us shying away from the fight. And, Jamie, I couldn't agree with you more. We have to take these people on. Everything that they do, we have to take them on. This sexualization of America's youth, we have to take them on. What they're doing to America's children in schools, not teaching history in the context of how great this nation is, we have to take them on. Their phony claims that they're for minorities' elevated, elevation in this country, they are not. Democrats own the ghettos of America. They own illiteracy. They own genocide in the womb. Democrats own the idea that you can commit criminality and walk away from it without being held to account. Democrats own irreligion and hostility toward religion. Democrats own so much in our society that is rooted in evil that the only way we are going to defeat them is with the truth. We can never be as evil as they are and expect to win. We have to win with the truth because it is the truth. Not smearing people, not lying about them, but taking on these issues that will persuade people over the long term that we are right. And that's what she was saying. Jamie, love your call. Thank you. I hope we hear from you again. Let's go to Victor in Cherry Ridge, Pennsylvania. How are you, Victor? I'm doing great. Uh, 
first, I'd like to comment on your callers. There's so much gratitude in, in what they say, and that's a big part of uh, us being great. But you can hear the uh, gratitude in everyone's voices and with their statements, number one. Number two, uh, I'm like you. I have not watched a down of football since they took a knee. And also, baseball, the same thing. I was a big Yankee fan. I grew up four blocks from Yankee Stadium. And uh, when they decided that, uh, you know, they were going to adhere to, like, Black Lives Matter, I was done with baseball. So I'm down to hockey right now. And the other thing I wanted to say, in terms of St. Peter's, I was rooting for them until uh, the Black Lives Matter thing. But, you know, it's a Catholic college. What's going on with our Catholic universities and college? It's, it's a joke. You know what I mean? That they're pro-choice. It's it's getting ridiculous. It's like, you know, I take God before anything. And uh, it just seems to be they're off the wall with all this stuff. Victor, so, I this is going to have to be part of a larger discussion because, look, I am not Catholic, but I have um, the Catholic Missal. I read it. On occasion, I go to mass with some of my friends on occasion, and I've thoroughly enjoyed that. But I, like you, am wondering what is happening inside many of the American Catholic churches where all of a sudden they wholeheartedly embrace illegality, whether instead of teaching people that there is, that that you have to obey the laws of the country, they now promote disobeying it when it comes to immigration this leniency toward the uh, pro-life where if anyone should be protecting life, it should be the church. And the fact that Nancy Pelosi is still there, Joe Biden, while they're openly, openly in defiance of the church is, you know, it's, I don't know. And when you look at what's being taught in some of the Catholic universities, well, especially one down in Washington, D.C. It gives you pause. It's like, what is what is happening here? I'm not a Catholic. I wonder what many Catholics, practicing Catholics, do feel about this, whether they think their church is abandoning them. Interesting point for discussion someday, and we will take that up if anyone wants to comment on it. Dom in Minnesota, welcome. We've got about a minute, Dom. You're going to have to make it a little quick, but I wanted to get you. Yeah, sure. Uh, James, thanks for taking my call. You know, the Democrats have perfected the art of stripping morality from everything. It's like Rush used to say, politics is showbiz for the ugly. And there are a lot of ugly people in politics. That's the problem. So you are absolutely right. We cannot fight with evil with evil. I was listening to the last, uh, you know, the thing, last gentleman you're talking to. So, yes, if we go down that path, we're going to be no better than them. So, Tom, I have to stop you there, but thank you. I want you to call back because I'd like to hear more of your thoughts, Dom. Thank you so much. Hey, I can't believe we're two hours in. Okay, coming up next hour, the wonderful, the beautiful, the one, the only, her worshipfulnessness. Our princess, Diana, joins us. And I want to talk about this story that's in TikTok and see what your thoughts are on that, among other things, and anything else you want to talk about. Anyway, hour number two, in the can. Oops, that sounds like plagiarism. (laughs) We're coming back with hour number three on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't you go away. It's 
James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Yes, indeed, we are the crown jewel of American radio. If you'd like to be part of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, all you have to do, pick up your telephone, hit us. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC. Okay, I see a call coming up that I'm going to have to take. Even before I get to the story that I wanted to do, because I don't want this guy to get tired of waiting and hang up. I don't want any of you on hold to get tired of waiting and hang up. We're going to try to get to as many calls, all of them, if we can, before we say hello to the next hour and Larry Kudlow, who comes up after the show. And believe me, in these times of economic peril under Joe Biden, we need Larry Kudlow's knowledge and advice more than ever. So without further ado, let's go to the Bronx. And let's talk to David. David, welcome to WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you this morning, David? Okay. Uh, I can prove that you've been brainwashed. Okay, right go away, ahead. Right now. Want to prove it? Yeah, go uh, ahead. What, what, what kind of stereotypes do you believe about Asian people, let's say China, Chinese people? What, what goes into your mind right now? Japan, Japanese. Let's take the Japanese. What goes into your mind right now about the Japanese people? Pearl Harbor. No, Pearl Harbor, that's it? About, how about them as people? Wait a minute. You asked me a question. I'm giving you an answer. So don't tell me, wait a minute. You asked me a question, and I don't know how that proves. You said, what do you think about ja-? the first thing I think of Japanese? I think go back to World War II and think about Pearl Harbor. Now, do I have other thoughts about Japanese people? Of course I do. But you asked for an instant answer, so I gave you an instant answer. How does that prove I've been brainwashed? Okay, what are they? And what are they? What's the other thoughts? Ma, what are the other thoughts? Beautiful culture. Love the culture. Right. They're hardworking people. They're it's intelligent a, it's, people. It's mostly a homogenous culture, though. It's very different than ours. Japan was a society, and even with all of the things that happened in Japan, some of which are not nice, the Yakuza, if you look at Japan in World War II, they invaded China, and what they did in China and the Philippines was horrific. I mean, you still have the March of, of Bataan, and that's the way it's pronounced, not Bataan. And I've been through the streets where that was, the March of Bataan in, in the Philippines. What they did to American troops in the Philippines was disgraceful. What they did to the Chinese people using mustard gas and other things to move them into compliance in World War II is disgraceful. But if you look, they're such an industrious people as a people, and they still have a closed society compared to other societies. Now, what about it? Hello? Yeah, what about can it? I, can I get, okay, let me get my point across. Right. Everything is positive. We don't talk about them being lazy or stupid or racist. We don't talk about none of that, Right. But let's let's not. But when we say let's talk about black people or Latino people, what goes into people's minds automatically? Uh, we're lazy. We don't want to work. We're a bunch of predators. Isn't that true? That's what goes yeah. into your mind. That's not what goes into my mind. Let me tell you what goes into my mind when I think about black people. Okay, since you think you know what's in my mind and you don't, African Americans, black people are some of the most resilient people on the face of the earth. What we have had to go through as a people is unconscionable. 
being sold generations into slavery, not just slavery, but chattel slavery, being separated from your religion, from your, from your family, from everything about your history. And yet and still, if you look at today, one of the things that always almost makes me cry every time I listen to it is to listen to Bob Marley's, when, when Bob Marley sings Redemption Song. And he talks about freeing yourselves from mental slavery. And he also talked about how we flowered in this generation and rise triumphantly. And that's what goes through my mind about black people. We rose triumphantly through the worst that humanity has to offer, and we are still rising. Now, do I get upset at the criminality that is in the culture today? Yes. Do I get upset when you look at New York, when you look at Atlanta, Detroit, Atlanta? all of these cities, and you see the same thing happening, failing schools, high crime rates, blacks killing each other in record numbers, and abortions in record numbers, which is genocide in the room. Do I get upset? Yes. But then don't tell me I don't say anything negative about or think anything negative. One of the things, if you were listening, instead of with your own ideas, if you were listening, I talked about the atrocities that the Japanese people committed in World War II. That's negative, my friend. But also listen to this. In every country of the world, you can look in their history and find some kind of atrocity because that is a human condition. It is not specific to a race or it is not specific to a gender. Evil is evil. So your attempts, David, to say that I'm brainwashed, I'm f- sorry, my friend, have fallen flat. You got anything else? Can I speak? Can I speak my mind now? Yes, Hello? you can. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to speak my mind. This is what the system does. I'm, I know. We know about the, 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 the poverty and the oppression that blacks and Latinos have gone through. But let's be real. This is how the society for over 40, 50 years of my life, this is what they think of us. This is a system you, you so proudly defend. Huh? You've been brainwashed. Now, David, the, uh, I know David, some of the best workers. Can I get David, some guess of the what? Best, some of the- guess what? No, no, leave him up. Leave him up. David, whether you want to hear this, and I David. One of the most intelligent people that I've come across, the hardest working people that I've, I've have been black people. Yes. Latino. Did and you not hear a word right. I said? So do you think, no, but do you think... No, you haven't, because you are so wrapped up in your hate. You are so wrapped up in your hate, my friend. David, okay, down. I have no time for this. David, you're so wrapped up in your hate, you can't hear anything else. And by the way, there are poor white people in America, too. And there are more poor white people in America than there are black people. Maybe you should study. Instead of running your mouth, maybe you should actually study. And stop being such a hateful person when you look out into this country. You're the one that's brainwashed. You've been brainwashed by your hatred of your fellow man. That's what you've been by. You can't stand the country you're living in because you bought into it. You can't stand the country that your ancestors gave their blood, sweat, and tears to help build because you're so wrapped up in your own hate. It's not me that's brainwashed, my friend. It is you. You can try again another day, but I'm done for today. I can't take any more. Bye-bye. Anyway, 
the story that I wanted to get to, but I, I saw that up there. I wanted to give the guy a chance. Oh, these guys. You see, folks, this is what comes out of new, this is what comes out of liberal schools, by the way. That, that caller, that's what your schools are producing. That's the end effect of what they're now teaching and calling critical race theory. That they are the oppressed. That everybody else is wrong. That everybody else is evil. And they're the oppressed victims of life. And they don't stand a chance. Anyway. TikTok. This story comes from the Daily Mail. This story blew my mind this morning. And I, I usually just go right past this kind of story. Hollywood Hill's wife reveals her tips for attracting and marrying wealthy men, and she did this on TikTok. Known only as the Hollywood Hills wife, she preaches about hypergamy, hypergamy, the act of marrying up, and femininity as a tool for attraction in her ongoing series of TikTok videos. She describes her dating guide, rich, charming, sexy goddess. She uses the term brokey, Brokey, to refer to men without money or jobs, stressing that these brokies should be avoided at all costs because they don't have anything to offer. And she says, there's no such thing as love without money. When are we going to wake up from the brokey fairy tales? She says in one of these clips. Ugh. He says, you know what true love is? True love is a man loving you and wanting the best for you so much that he's going to pay for your schooling, he's going to pay for your college, so you're not weighted down by debt. She gives advice on how to get noticed by wealthy men. She says you should always look well-groomed. Sit up in your chair if you're out. She says, whenever you go out, I don't care if you're going to CB- CVS, you always want to have neat hair and makeup. You always want to look well-groomed and polished, well put together. Your goal should always be to look pretty, feminine, and respectable. You should work on your posture, never slouch, at least not when you're out in public. The Hollywood Hills wife stresses that if you want to marry rich, that rich guys are put off by women who have absolutely no hobbies. She said you should have a vision and goals for the future you want if you want to bag a rich bachelor. What are the big turnoffs for wealthy men? She said, well, yeah, the rich guys are put off with women who have no hobbies. It's important for you to take the time to find the things that you really love doing yourself. You have to understand, when you're dealing with a wealthy man, it takes more than just having a beautiful face. When you have goals and you two have a conversation, those conversations are going to be filled with passion because you have something to look forward to. She says women that are too easy are going to have trouble finding a suitor. You shouldn't go to bed with these rich guys so quick because it's cheap and they only respect what they've earned not and what they've worked hard for. And if you give it up, if you go to sex so soon, your chances are nil. She also says that women 
should avoid coming off as emotionally demanding too soon in the relationship. Notice that particular wording. Women should avoid coming off as emotionally demanding too soon into the relationship. Not that you should avoid it altogether. Wait till you have them nailed. Then you can become emotionally demanding. You want to come off as calm, rational, all around put together. The truth is sometimes the universe sends us the perfect person, and we are the ones who drop the ball. Boy, there is somebody I wish would hear that. Sometimes the universe sends us the perfect person, and we're the ones who drop the ball. Even if you've never lived this lifestyle before, it's time for you to realize and understand it is you, she says to women, it is you that hold the power in a relationship, not the man. So, I ask, What do you think about all this? Interesting. When we get back, ladies and gentlemen, our very own, the one and only Princess Di joins us, and we are coming right back after this. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on 77 WABC. Time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time for her royalness-ness, her highness-ness, her intellectualness-ness, her clarity-ness-ness, <laughs> and everything else-ness-ness. Man, I was still grooving on... Did, did, Queen, Queen, Princess Diana, I'm not elevating you to Queen yet. Uh, Princess Diana, do you still have your platform shoes somewhere? <laughs> Probably. I was listening to that, to, to Night Fever, coming back in, Your Highnessness, and I remembered, I had a flashback. <laughs> I had these red platform shoes that were like, I don't know, five inches off the ground. <laughs> And I was actually saying, did I used to wear that stuff? Yes, I did. It's, I hope no one has a picture of me with those things. I would love a photo of that. That is awesome. That yeah, was back in the night fever days. <laughs> That's so fun to imagine that. Well, okay, let's talk about fun here. Uh, Hunter Biden, apparently, this is uh, Daily Mail, and it's in the New York Post, and it's all around. <clears throat> <clears throat> Hunter Biden did apparently help secure millions of dollars in funding for a U.S. contractor in Ukraine that specialized in deadly pathogen research. Now, I thought 
Princess Diana, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that just last week, people that raised the idea that there were these labs in the Ukraine were considered kooks, tinfoil hat, <laughs> nut jobs, like good old Tulsi Gabbard. And all of a sudden we get stories, well, wait a minute, not only were there these uh, 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 pathogen research labs, but good old Hunter Biden's involved. He was helping to arrange money for these things. What are we to make of that? Well, you know, the first I heard of this was what I considered war propaganda because Russia raised this information first. And it sounded like we're getting, you know, as I've said many times, you have to be skeptical because we're getting war propaganda from Russia, from Ukraine and from the United States. And this information was released by by Russia that uh, somehow Hunter Biden was involved in funding biolabs in Ukraine. And it sounded so beyond reality that I thought, oh, come on, you know, let's 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 find out more. Well, it turns out the actual emails have been released. This may well be from the second laptop that may have been lost. If you remember in the, the one laptop we're aware of, Hunter Biden had there is a video where he says that Russia stole another laptop when he was in a drunken stupor or drug induced stupor. (laughs) So there was this other laptop running around that he referred to himself. And apparently new emails have been released from that. Now, that may have been released from Russia, but they've been authenticated. And so now we we're like. Oh, man, the money that has been transferred through Hunter Biden from the United States to Ukraine and and bio labs, it is just science fiction now. This is just really startling information. Now, will the media cover it? No. So we're, you're up left to, you know, conservative sites, which will be by social media, uh, to try and get out this information. And there was a, a trove of these emails released uh, either last night or this morning that you can read for yourself. And it is, it is just remarkable. And it's going to be very difficult for the president to respond to it, which is why he will never be asked about it. <laughs> Well, isn't there uh, a grand jury that's looking into Hunter Biden's affairs? And wouldn't this be of interest to them? Well, I think it's the Justice Department investigation. Yes, so, it is. Yes, there, there is apparently, you know, in, but then you it's just the Justice Department. It, yeah. it, it's the Justice Department. Okay. okay. Well, yeah. you know, the okay. two-tier justice system in America lives on. So yeah. whether or not this will ever see the light of day is an open question. But I'm glad that conservative sites are at least publishing it because this is just out if true. Now. There is a second story that I'd like you to comment on, and it was in The Federalist. If Congress doesn't rein in big tech, censors will elim- eliminate the right from public discourse. I have been railing about this for months and months and months. You have all of these c- groups, like this so-called news guard group. They're anything but guardians of the news. They're guardians of liberalism, more like it. And you have all of these. Today, it was... uh uh, CPAC's turn. They've had all the speeches from their latest convention wiped off of Google, uh, YouTube, Google's YouTube, Alphabet's Google's YouTube. 
and Match Lap is just hopping mad about it. And it's like, and, and now they say, well, we're not going to be neutral anymore, laissez-faire about big tech. Now we're going to, really? It took this? Um, they have been, I mean, they, they knocked off Charlie Kirk over there for making a statement. He just outlined the history of Rachel, uh, the, uh, the uh, admiral, who's the trans, trans person over there. They wiped him off. They've been wiping people, conservatives, off of Google, off of Facebook off of every other platform they had for years. What is it going to take? Is this article... Okay, your thoughts. I'm sorry, I'm pontificating, Your Highness. (laughs) Oh, I love it when you pontificate. No one's better, James. But I had the same reaction to this article. It was annoying. Because here's the subhead. This week, Twitter revealed it will not tolerate dissent from trans ideology. But that will be just the beginning. I'm like, the beginning happened years ago. Thank you. This idea, this idea that, the, that, the, uh, that big tech is going to eliminate the right from public discourse. Hello, they eliminated the president of the United States from all social media. So this idea that the Federalists, which I like, they are do great work, great investigative reporting. They are a wonderful resource. I love Molly Hemingway, who's running it over there. It's an important website that everyone who listens to you should also follow. But to have John David Davidson, Daniel Davidson, who's a senior editor there, react in shock and surprise that that this is going to stamp out the right it's it's like well what was your first clue you know (laughs) he's he's demanding that congress has to do something about this and he's basically advocating that social media gets regulated as a common carrier like the phone company so they can't censor under the absurd pretext that the speech they don't like is harmful. Well, yes, that would have been wonderful for the Republicans to actually do when they had power. And they they have, you know, every now and again, they hold hearings where they call up big tech and put them on the carpet, supposedly. But then there is no hint that there's any legislation down the pike. And if And when the Republicans take power again, I don't get the sense that this is legislation waiting to happen. I think this is the most important thing a Republican Congress could do and to be signed by a future Republican president is to protect the civil rights of all Americans. And that is especially including free speech in including, as our boss used to say, Rush Limbaugh used to say, the First Amendment was written specifically for political speech. Absolutely. And that is what is being stamped out. So I'm a little annoyed at the article, but of course the the article is correct. And this is job one of a future Republican president to sign. If we ever, yes, if, well, if they have the cojones to do it. Did you hear, incidentally, uh, the uh, Hollywood wife's advice on how to marry up? <laughs> well, do you remember Rush used to always say, women marry up? Yes. <laughs> that was, yes. It's, it is sort of time immemorial, you know. I think that, you know, we have to remember that there are actual sex gender differences, d- despite what the uh, nominee for the Supreme Court believes. <laughs> there are, there's a difference. <laughs> what does she believe? I'm not sure, except for this 
CRT business over at Georgetown Day School. I don't know what she believes at all. <laughs> well, she's a leftist, so you know what she believes. Oh, that's true, too. She's a radical leftist. Um, <laughs> I, I love this term, brokey. Women should stay away from brokies. Men without <laughs> jobs or, or money. Because they have nothing, absolutely nothing to offer. Well, that is sort of old school, you know, where you basically husband shop looking at who's successful. I don't think that's what all of us do, but that is, you know, old school advice. I, I got to read a couple of things from the Babylon Bee, okay. which made me laugh. Are you a woman? 12 signs to look for. Are you, <laughs> are you always cold? That's number one. Have you ever decorated a bed with six or more pillows? <laughs> Can you tell the difference between cream white and rustic farmhouse white? <laughs> that is true. Women really do get into the various shades of paint and, and men see things much more plainly in general, except for the decorating world has a lot of men who who do see those. Two well, well. Yeah. Let's not go there. Okay. And have, have you run into a curb in the past 24 hours? <laughs> Does it take you over three hours to decide what you want to eat? <laughs> do you find simple movie plots hard to follow? <laughs> I do admit to that. That is one of the things that annoys my husband when I ask him, what's going on? What this person is? Is this a good guy or a bad guy? It's just. I can be irritating trying to follow a simple, simple movie plot. So I know I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And here's the, here's the one that's universal. Do you frequently describe your emotional state as fine when you are not, in fact, fine? <laughs> <laughs> I think all women can identify with that. So I think we need to send that to our Supreme Court nominees in the future so they'll have a better answer. Yeah, I like that too. You know, this is uh that's awesome. Well, Princess Diana, boy, time is moving fast. Thank you once again. Illuminating as always. A unique sense of humor, as always. And uh we will join up with you again next week. And meanwhile, just continue to pray that our nation can survive what liberals seem to want to do to it every single week. Prayer is the most powerful thing, and that is a wonderful last line for our conversation. Thank, Thank you. you, Sir James. Thank you, Princess Di. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerly, we're coming back. More of your calls coming up right after this. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. The two Phils bring us back. Bill Collins and Philip Bailey, both from amazing groups. Phil Collins, of course, Genesis. Phil Bailey, Earth, Wind, and Fire, teaming up with Easy Lover. This was a fun video to watch. 
you could tell that they really were enjoying themselves when they were cutting it. And that's, that's always good when you see that people are having fun. And we have a lot of fun here, even though we do discuss very serious issues. Let's go back to the telephones. Mike in Pennsylvania. Thank you for holding, Mike. Appreciate your patience. How are you this morning? Mike? Is Mike not there? Hello, Mikey. Come on, Blo- How about now? How about now? Okay. Hello, Bloke. Okay. Yeah, I'll hear you now. I'll hear you now, Blokey. Thanks for waiting for us. How are you, okay, Mikey? Thanks. I'm okay, James. I'm okay. Just, uh, you know, like, like listening to all this stuff, so that you get a little bit upset. But that guy, yeah. John, who spoke about God, was very, very inspirational. And pretty much have pretty much the same story as him. You do? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I was down on, on, you know, I was down and out. And, uh, yeah, I turned to God. I mean, I'm a registered right to life. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm registered right to life. There is a party, the Right to Life Party. And I suggest anybody who's really into anti-abortion should join the party. And the reason being is that they joined the party. Then these politicians would see there was more. Are you there? I'm here. I'm listening. Okay. They would see more, more, uh, you know, more of us visually and not just, you know, Republican or or Democrat who's against it. Mm -hmm. When they see you have a party and you have a a real voice, they think a little bit uh, differently. Uh, last night I was watching the NCAA game, St. Peter's. Well, I watch them. Great thing. And I'm telling my son, hey, have the kids watch the game tonight because my uh, one grandson, he just got done with a basketball league and he's really getting into the sport. And uh, I told him, well, I've got to watch this game. got to watch these guys. I want, them, I want them to watch college games too so they see that school is fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if you keep mm-hmm. their mind on, on things like that, they will, they'll stay there. They'll want to be there. You know what I mean? I want to go to college because they want to do the things that they're seeing there. But what got me was all of a sudden they had a commercial. And I'm watching this silly commercial. First, I thought it was for the Special Olympics. But it was for trans, and it's, it's, it's the month of the woman now, trans woman athletes, how they'll be competing and all. A commercial. Did you see that last night, James? No, I didn't see it. All right, well, you go on back, and you see, I don't know what part of the game it was. And I was like, I can't believe that. And I'm hoping <laughs> the kids ain't watching this now. <laughs> I mean, where do they come up? You want to know something? If you if you look up Joe, Joe Biden's church, you got to see the things that he believe. And here's the thing, okay? Normally, the left, they're all for all this stuff and all. And then they're, they're against, uh, you know, oh, it's climate climate. Uh, uh, climate control and all this sort of BS and how we're ruining the earth. We're ruining the earth. And, and someone will tell you, God don't like you ruining the earth. Well, a human being is made in the likeness of God. And if you believe in God and God made you a guy or God made you a woman, that's what you're supposed to be. And Well, you, you see, decide, I, I, go ahead. Mike, one of the things that Princess Di said last week, and 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 I remember this distinctly when you 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 triggered the memory, is that what liberals are having is an argument with God. They don't believe that God knows best. They believe that they know best. This is all uh, their ideology when it comes to gender is an argument with God. And I thought that was an interesting way of putting it. And you were just echoing the same thought in different words. Echoing it from, you're echoing it from Adam and Eve. 
Mm-hmm. It all starts in the beginning. It As all, all things beginning. do. <laughs> when, 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 when Eve was told, have that apple. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about have it. That apple. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and that's exactly, it's the same thing. You're, you're smarter than God. God don't know what he's talking about. There's only one thing that God didn't know what he was talking about, and that was matching up couples. Because look at all the problems Adam had when he matched them up with Eve. You know what I mean? (laughs) On that note, Mike, I'm going to leave it. But I do appreciate you waiting, and thanks for the call, my friend. I hope to hear from you again. Thank you so much. Let us go to uh, Stanhope, New Jersey, and speak with Andrew. Andrew, how are you this morning? Hello, Andrew. Okay, here we go again. Hello, Mike. Are you there? Andrew, speak up. Speak up, lad. Hey, how's it going, James? Sorry for the delay. That's all right. Just quick, the guy who said you were brainwashed, he's wrong because he doesn't see the end game when you go to college or learn critical race theory that they want to change the system to socialism or Marxism so they have to create grievances and say, oh, well, you're not a racist. Don't you care? And it's like, well, I do care. Well, then you have to follow us. But the irony is that the Democrat Party is the one, like you said, that keeps the people oppressed in the cities, the black people under their thumb. And they were the Jim Crow, uh, you know, Ku Klux Klan Party, the slavery party. So um, and I think of Latinos, there's many immigrants as the salt of the earth. But I don't want to get into that. But he's really the one that's brainwashed. But Clarence Thomas, who I think is an awesome justice and he's a true judge because he doesn't he's not an activist but listening to his speech from the 80s it's he's in my opinion he's so wrong and i don't understand how someone that intelligent i'm even i don't want to call the man a liar but what i think he was saying was that because he's black and he's not being subservient or not cow cowing down that he's you know, uppity and he doesn't know his place and that's why they're attacking him. No, they're attacking him because he's not going to be a leftist activist. Just like the um, lady now who's black, they're not, the left isn't attacking her, they're lauding her because they think she's going to go along with their agenda. If she was, you know, a traditionalist or a conservative, they would be going after her like they did with Amy Comey Barrett. And lastly, the lady in Virginia, I think, that's the lieutenant governor, they asked her, like, why isn't the left, like, saying how you're the first African-American female? And she said, because I'm not the right kind of black. I'm not a leftist, activist, anti-American. So they were attacking him because he was a conservative who was going to interpret the law. But see, that's exactly what, but see, Andrew, that is exactly what Justice Thomas said. That is, you're saying the same thing that he said in different words. He said to Joe Biden, to his face, which I love, that you guys are doing a high tech lynching on me because I'm an uppity black. I don't think the way you think. I don't think like you liberals. That's exactly what he was saying. And he understood what was at stake here. He understood why they brought Anita Hill out of from under whatever rock that they brought her out of to make this testimony up about Clarence Thomas. He understood the reason it was an ideological warfare. And that's what he was saying to them. So your, your interpretation is right on what their motives were, but that is exactly what justice Thomas 
was saying when he said this is a is a high tech lynching and called them out on it. And they're still trying to do it to him, by the way, Andrew. They haven't stopped. And the the, the great thing about Justice Thomas is that he has had you you read some articles and what people real court insiders say Justice Thomas behind the scenes quietly has had more influence on the direction of the Supreme Court than even the late Anton Scalia. And boy, that says a lot. Let's go to Brooklyn and Jonathan. Jonathan, how are you this morning? Welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. I'd like to ask you, what evidence do you have that uh, God exists? And what God are we talking about? Well, I'm talking about God, the God. And what evidence do I have that he exists? I don't have to have evidence that he exists. Whatever, what evidence do you have that he doesn't? Well, what God? Well, I, I don't have any evidence. I'm sorry, I don't okay. know. But what so look, these are matters of faith, Jonathan. These are matters of faith. And faith is also an individual thing. People can have, a, look, here's the thing. The human intellect is sometimes the gatekeeper towards spiritual understanding. Because you can wrap yourself up in all these intellectual arguments and get lost in it and never identify the other part of your being that has intrinsic knowledge from within. Now, I can't connect you to that part of your life if you don't have it, but I can connect me to that part of my life, and I don't need quote-unquote proof. What I have is the proof. The fact that I am in my body, the soul that's in the body, is the proof. The fact that when I look at the universe says and see the wonder of creation, that is the proof. But the proof is a direct perception. It is a personal relationship that people have with their creator. And if you don't have that relationship, no one can convince you of it. And I'm not trying to. I don't proselytize to people. Look, this is your life. If you want to lead it without God in your life, cool. Have a good life. For me, I'm not trying to tell anybody how else they should live. I'm just content with how I should live. Okay? And we're all imperfect beings, and even when we try to live that way, we constantly have to pick ourselves up from falling, no matter what. So more power to you. Appreciate the call. Jay, Ohio, thank you for calling. WABC Talk Radio 77, you're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy. Hi. Go for it, Jay. Yeah, man, I I think uh, nobody could have said it better than the way you said it about about your spirituality, which a lot of people don't, they're not in touch with spirituality. The fact that they, they have a physical and they also have a spiritual being. And, you know, you really, the other, like, I don't know, you look, you're actually lighting brush fires in the minds of people because they're calling you and they're asking you these questions, which means they're being told something. They're being told one thing by, by society. Right, and now they're being open. They're, now you're telling them something that they've never heard before, right? So, so it's like you're kind of like opening up their minds to to the truth. Whoa! And if they just keep on, you know, if they keep on listening, eventually they're going to find the truth for themselves. I, and I think that's it's beautiful. I think I think the service that you're doing 
and and you notice it's, it's it's the people who need to hear the truth that are actually listening to you, and it's it's just fantastic what I'm hearing because this is this is what's going to change the world. Jay, you are so kind. I appreciate that. I don't think of myself as a person that can change the world, but man, I'm going to tell you this: we all have a responsibility to be as truthful as we can, and sometimes it's a painful responsibility because we look at ourselves. And when we give a really good look at the person in the mirror, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes what we see we don't like. And I, I experienced that. I, I really experienced that, and it's just like, man, I got to change this. And that gives you um, a measure of growth. And the growth is something that we can be grat- have gratitude for. I love the caller that said it's all about gratitude. Because it is. It's about, life is about gratitude. You know, and gratitude to our creator, gratitude that we live in this country, gratitude that we have in some cases, and I know not all cases, but in some cases, the parents we had, the childhood that we had, some people had it so rough, and some of them are you that listen here, but you've managed to overcome anyway, every obstacle that's been put before you. And yeah, we should have gratitude. Every day of our lives, we should have gratitude, despite what we see around us, and despite the condition of the world, and despite the condition sometimes even in our own countries, our own neighborhoods. Gratitude. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Remember, Larry Kudlow's up next. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. We have more calls. Don't go away. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, on 77 WABC. This is Change. That's the name of the group, Change. The Glow of Love is the song. If we wait long enough, we'll hear the vocals, and then you should instantly realize who's the lead voice of the group, Change. It's a long introduction. It's like kind of this was like disco era. Let's like play for two minutes, and there he is. And the beauty seems to say it's a pleasure when you treasure all that's new and true and gay. Easy living, and we're giving what we know we're dreaming of. We are one, having fun, walking in the glow of love. That's Luther Vandross before he became the solo artist, and with the group change. I had lunch with him before he was a big, you know, to do. Um, Smiling faces going places. It's so wonder. It's so clear. By a fountain climbing mountains as we hold each other near. Sipping wine, we try to find that special magic from above. As we share our fair talking in the glow of love. Oh, man, that voice. Yes. Luther, that's Luther Vandross, ladies and gentlemen, when he was with the group Change, the glow of love. Let's go back to the telephones. Karen in Rockland County. How are you, Karen? Good morning. Golden voice. Thank you. That's what I call um, A couple things. I was just thinking, you know, you were talking about vocabulary. The Democrats had their own vocabulary. I wonder if any of those words can be used in Scrabble, because I play a lot of Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> Would they be in the Webster Dictionary? Some of them, because long enough become ingrained 
into <laughs> society. So, yeah. <laughs> and also, um, I know you like music. Uh, the Presbyterian Church in Ridgewood, New Jersey, had a British Invasion concert last night, and they have one at 3 o'clock today. It was wonderful. Whoa. Where is this? And because people might want to go today. Where is it? Uh, uh, South Monroe Street in Ridgewood, New Jersey. It was wonderful. The uh, I mean, they did uh, Queen and Elton John, and I mean, um, what? Um, How can you do a British invasion without the Beatles? I know they had to do. Um, no. <laughs> no. No, they actually. <laughs> How can you do a British invasion concert and not do the Beatles or the Stones? No, they didn't do the stone. They did. I can't find that. Uh, you know, I was listening to some girls the other day, and I was like, hmm, one of these days we need to play that one as a bumper, too. And, but I'm glad you had a great time, and maybe people will go see it today, Karen. Anything else on your mind, my dear? Yeah, why don't they question Pelosi and Schumer and Hunter Biden and Joe Biden as far as, you know, they don't want to ever be questioned about anything, but they want to question everybody else. And that is I mean, because they cannot give you the answers. Now, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer do have weekly press conferences, and I watch them sometimes, and they do get questions. But the kind of questions that you're hoping that they get, no, they don't come up because the press corps is liberal, and they know that. And when, when occasionally, like when Kerry Pickett, well, uh, she's a reporter with the Washington Times, when Kerry asks Pelosi a question, Pelosi snaps. And she's mean and ugly to Kerry every time Kerry or almost every time Kerry asks a question because Kerry will ask her tough questions that no one else will. will, uh, And there's one other. And I'm just having a mental block right now. There's another congressional uh, correspondent that will ask uh, Nancy Pelosi tough questions and and she doesn't like it. And she she responds very hostily uh, to that. Let us see where we should go. Long Island and Mike, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you this morning? Hi, James. Great to talk to you again. Uh, yeah, that gentleman called you about, uh, he seemed very angry about needing you to prove God. You know what? Wake up every morning, look out the window, look at the sunrise, go to bed in the evening, see the sunset, night, you see the stars. Now, if you think that's all done by chance, random act of some molecule, uh, uh, but we don't want to ever mention, where did this first molecule come from? But let's not get too deep. You know, this all happening by chance is, um, is really, uh, that's is, is trying to figure out what infinity is. Let's, let us go deeper. Um, let's, let's, let's go deeper a little bit, though, because it is not just what you said. It is the exact tilt of the earth. If the earth were tilted differently, life would not exist. Look what this earth had to go through in order the building blocks of life. And it turns out you see things like, I remember um, if you read, uh, of course, we all know at a funeral service, people say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and all that stuff. This is ingrained in our religious philosophy. Well, guess what? When science came along, science proved what? That the elements on our, in our body are created from, what do they say? Cosmic dust, right? And so there are so many things that point to the existence of God. 
But again, if you don't want to open your heart to it, you're not ever going to believe it. If your heart and your soul are not open to it, and, and that's your right as a human being. Look, there are some atheists that I totally respect. Their atheism is their belief. And I'm not here trying to judge them. I, we can only live our lives for us. Okay? And if, if, if finding God is part of your life, and that's part of your mission in life, then you're blessed, in my opinion. And if you are still searching, you are also blessed. The way. And if you don't know the answer, maybe someday you will. You know, so we we are who we are. But I really thank you for the call. Wonderful, and thank you. Uh, Margaret, largely welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77 here with James Golden. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza is going to end soon. It's like it just begins, and it goes so fast. Hi, Margaret. Hi, James. I was um, thinking as you played the recording with Joe Biden and Clarence Thomas, that the left likes to use sex as an attack to bring these people down, like in Kavanaugh and whatever. Uh, even during Trump's uh, election, you know, all the memes on Facebook about how he treated women and all of this. Yet they're promoting teaching young children at an inappropriate age about sex and about things and sex that are even off the, the beaten path, so to speak. You know, you raised the point. This is what we began the show with this morning when I began uh, musing in, in, in a way about the way that the left uses sexuality and has used it since the so-called sexual revolution. And one of the things that the sexual revolution did was draw a dividing line between sex and its spiritual component and its moral component, both of which, I don't care what religion in the world you come from, whether it's Christianity, Islam, whether it's Buddhism, Yainism, whether it's Sikhism, Buddhism, Taoism. If you look at every major religion in the world, every spiritual science in the world, one of the things that they stress was the idea that this sexual relationship that men and women have with each other is manifestly a spiritual relationship that gets manifested physically and that it was a sacred relationship. And all of that now has been removed from sex. It is just a physical thing that takes place between people, not between a man and woman, but between people. That is what the left has now taught and is trying to teach kids as young as in kindergarten that there is no moral responsibility from a spiritual point of view that comes with it. And that is one of the things that is most dangerous about what the left is trying to do to not only the children of America, but the children of the world. And, and we had a caller earlier talking about what goes on on TikTok. You know, I see, I don't go to TikTok that often, but I do see these girls, and some of these girls are as young as eight, nine years old, looking like, trying to look like little sex goddesses. You know, and it's just like, really? I mentioned in the first hour that a, a mother that I know, her daughter is in grade school and came home talking about the body count. 
what girls in her class are talking about. What is the body count? The body count is the number of boys that these young girls have given oral sex to. This stuff is perverse. It is dangerous. And this is what has infiltrated our society. And the left is objecting, saying, no, enough of this already. We don't want our children growing up like this. We want our children to grow up to be healthy, not just physically, but mentally. And we want them to grow up having a healthy spiritual life or religious life. And so, yes, parents should be objecting to this. But this stuff has been going on for decades, and folks, we are in for a fight to change it. We are Pennsylvania. We had a lot of calls from there today. We are Connecticut. We are New Jersey. We are New York. We are all New Yorkers. New York City, the greatest city in the world. We are America, the greatest nation humanity has ever witnessed. Thanks to my crew each and every Saturday. You guys are amazing and we'll be back next week on Monday 4 o'clock thank you so much for being here God bless you God bless your families and protect you all and especially look with favor on those in Ukraine see you next week bye Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.